Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you go to Langley, Virginia, and you take a tour of the CIA original headquarters building, you'll see a couple of important walls in the lobby. There's a memorial wall that has 125 stars commemorating officers who have died while performing their duties. As you can imagine, that is a treasured site in the building. In the same lobby, there's another wall, a stark white stone wall. And on that wall are engraved some words. In fact, these words of Jesus from our gospel lesson. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. Not only are those words engraved on the wall, but they actually serve as the unofficial motto of the CIA. They're so important that they're regarded as more important, in fact, than those 125 stars on the memorial wall. These words set the tone for the CIA. Now, I don't know much about the CIA, mostly what I've learned from TV and movies, which is all true, as you can imagine. But I've always thought that it's a bit ironic for the CIA to be so enthusiastic about the truth, considering that much of its work involves deception and misinformation. But there's something more striking, an even more striking irony about these words on the wall of the CIA original headquarters building. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's a quotation from Jesus, but it is completely out of context. That little word, and, which begins, and ye shall know the truth. That word, and, connects those words with what came before. And here's what came before. You heard it just a moment ago. Jesus said, verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If you abide in my word, that is, if you listen to me, if you hear and take to heart what I say, if you don't listen to everyone else, then, then you will know the truth, and then you will be free. I don't think that the CIA would agree that Jesus speaks the truth, or at least not the kind of truth that they're looking for. And neither would most people agree that the words of Jesus, the truth that he speaks, sets you free. Much rather, to the world and to our flesh, the words of Jesus sound false and oppressive. That's how the Jews reacted in our gospel lesson today. What do you mean that we will be free, they asked him. We've never been slaves to anyone. We're the children of Abraham. Why should we listen to you? Why should we abide in your word. Of course, in a physical sense, and maybe this caught your attention, in a physical sense, the Jews had, at one time, been slaves. They had been enslaved in Egypt. And it was only by the hand of God, by his mighty and outstretched arm, that they were set free. But when Jesus talks about freedom, he's not talking about physical freedom. And the Jews picked up on that. He's not talking about freedom from slavery like that in Egypt. He's talking about a greater freedom, spiritual freedom. 
The freedom that comes from being the people of God. The Jews thought that that freedom was theirs by rights, by blood, by nature, because they were the children of Abraham. No, Jesus says. It's not yours. That freedom is not yours because you're the children of Abraham. It doesn't belong to anyone by nature. By nature, no one is free. By nature, all men are enslaved because all men are sinners. Verse 34, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The bondage and slavery of sin, that's what Jesus is concerned with. And his concern matches the seriousness of the problem. Slavery in Egypt meant that the people of Israel had to make bricks and work for no wages and eat what was given to them and obey their masters without question. That was terrible. And they cried out to God and God sent Moses to them to deliver them out of Egypt. But slavery to sin is far worse. So much worse that it makes slavery in Egypt seem like a joke. Slavery to sin means that in everything you do, you sin. Whether it seems to you that you're doing good or bad, whether it appears holy or unholy, whether you receive the favor or disfavor of others, it is sin. Isaiah put it this way, All our righteous deeds, even our righteous deeds, are like filthy rags. You could be the most charitable, kind, compassionate, thoughtful person in the world. You could be Paul Allen. Maybe you heard about Paul Allen. Maybe it was about this time last year he died. He was one of the co-founders of Microsoft and also known as one of the most philanthropic persons in the world. He gave away $2 billion in his lifetime. You could be Paul Allen. But if you are a slave to sin, then it is all worthless in God's eyes. And in fact, Worse than worthless, because instead of doing good to serve him and to serve your neighbors, you've actually done it to serve yourself. That's what it means to be a slave to sin. That you are bound, try as hard as you might, you are bound to fear, love, and trust in yourself above all things. That you serve yourself alone and no other. That's how we are by nature, from birth. Whether or not you're an offspring of Abraham, even if you seem to be the most selfless, loving person there is, it is a terrible life to be enslaved to sin. It's a life all twisted and turned in on itself. And worse, it is a terrible life that leads to a terrible death. For the wages of sin is eternal death. That is the slavery that Jesus is concerned with, and rightly so. Jesus is making a point that is as relevant today as it has ever been. 2,000 years ago, 500 years ago, what Jesus says has eternal significance for us right now. Abide in his word. If you listen to him, if you stay put, if you don't go roaming about looking for truth and freedom in all the wrong places, then you will know the truth and then you will be free. It's not surprising that the CIA has the words of Jesus engraved on a wall. Truth and freedom are in the DNA of the United States. And so we pay attention, naturally, when Jesus says something about truth and freedom. 
They're the markers of enlightenment, the cherished treasures of our civilization that has left the dark ages behind. For many historians and commentators, the Reformation, which we're commemorating today, the Reformation is the beginning of that story of enlightenment, they say. They see Martin Luther nailing his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church, and they see him standing up against the tyranny of the Pope and the bishops, and they hear him talking about truth and freedom, and they see it all as a sign of the time when things started to look brighter for humanity, when we left the Middle Ages behind and we entered the modern world, when truth and freedom began to get a grip on people. According to many, what Martin Luther offered the world was individual empowerment and freedom of thought fueled by the printing press, newly invented. And that set into motion a bold, sweeping rejection of oppressive institutions and authorities like the Roman Catholic Church of the Middle Ages, and it opened the door for freedom, freedom from backwards and unenlightened ideas and values and traditions. Most of all, though, it ushered in the triumph of the individual. With free information and free consciences, self-determination became possible. People could decide who they were and what they wanted to be. That's the way many people think of the Reformation. That's the way the modern scholarship thinks of the Reformation. And if you read about the Reformation in the news, if you read, about, you read a story or an editorial about the Reformation in the newspaper this weekend or next week, it'll probably sound something like that. This take on the Reformation, which makes it all about individual freedom and the right to think for yourself, it makes for a great story, just the kind of story we love in America. And there are, in fact, lots of ways that our modern world is shaped by the Reformation. But just as the words of Jesus are taken out of context on the wall of the CIA original headquarters building, it takes Luther out of context to claim that he was all about worldly freedom. And you know this. In fact, he was all about Jesus and his word. The Reformation was all about abiding in the word of Jesus. It was all about the freedom that we have in Christ. Luther was adamant that in Christ you are completely free, free from the bondage of sin, free from the wages of sin, free to live according to the will of God, free to live in love for God and for your neighbor instead of living for yourself. The trouble is that to the world and to our flesh, most of the time that doesn't seem like freedom to us. It doesn't seem like freedom to abide in God's word and to hear God's law, which stops every mouth and which holds every person accountable to God. Shouldn't freedom mean that you can do whatever you want, that you can live for yourself, that you don't owe anyone anything? We'd much rather have a freedom without God in the picture. A freedom in which there is no call, no obligation, no need to love anyone selflessly. It doesn't sound like freedom to be under authority or to do someone else's will. We'd rather not even admit that we need to be set free in the first place. To our sinful flesh, being a slave to sin is comfortable. That is what feels most free. Thanks be to God that even though it is unpopular, 
that even though it is not the truth that the world wants to hear, and it is not the kind of freedom that our flesh craves, thanks be to God that Jesus gives us his word anyway. Thanks be to God that Martin Luther and the Reformers did not give in to the world or to the desires of their flesh, but by the grace of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, they were like that angel flying overhead with the eternal gospel. This gospel is a message that needs to be heard. Fear God and give him glory, the angel said, because the hour of his judgment has come. This gospel needs to be heard by everyone, by you, by your family, by your friends and neighbors, by anyone born of human flesh and blood. It needs to be heard, no matter the obstacles, because without this message, we are left to die in our sins. Thanks be to God that even while we were slaves to sin and enemies of God, he loved us and sent his son to bear our sins on the cross. He took up the yoke of our slavery upon himself and subjected himself to the wages of our sin. He redeemed us, bought us back from our devilish master, not with gold or silver, but with his precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. He drowned our sinful flesh, which loved its slavery to sin. He drowned it in the waters of holy baptism. And he brought us out of the kingdom of this world, out of this kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. He gave over into death his own flesh and blood on the cross. And here at this altar, he continues to serve you with that flesh and blood, showing you the cost of your salvation, and giving you the riches of your inheritance as the children of God. You have been set free, free to remain in his Father's house forever, even as Jesus the Son remains forever. And so abide. Abide in his word, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The CIA takes Jesus out of context. And Martin Luther suffers the same fate at the hands of most modern historians, which shows us how important it is that we believe, teach, and confess clearly the words of Jesus and nothing else. That's what it means to be a Lutheran. It's not about culture or ethnicity, as much as it may seem. Martin Luther happened to be German in the same way that God's people happened to be Jews, Because God does his work through people, and everybody has to be from somewhere. Being a Lutheran isn't about being German. It's also not about tastes. Whether you prefer organ to guitar or hymns to rock ballads, or you prefer soothing sermons to bombastic preaching, or you prefer crowds of worshipers to a faithful few, it's not about your tastes. And it's not about your feelings either, about feeling close to God or feeling welcomed and inspired, or feeling encouraged and comforted. Of course, if you leave church with feelings that match your faith, then you have even more to be grateful for. But being a Lutheran isn't about any of those things. It is instead about hearing and believing and loving the eternal gospel. The gospel is the truth that you were a slave to sin with nothing ahead of you but death. And you could not help yourself one bit. And so Jesus did it all for you. Apart from this gospel, no one knows the truth. 
And that's why Jesus says, abide in his word. Stay put. Remain with Jesus. It is the only way you can be free. If today we thank God for Martin Luther and the Reformation, we can do that in no better way than by again hearing, believing, and loving the gospel. By receiving anew all of its gifts, the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, by using our freedom to remain here with Jesus, to stay put, to abide in his word, and to pray as we will in our last hymn, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.